Well, let's go ahead and get into this part three. And uh, if you've got your Uversion app online, you can follow along in your notes there. Um, or you can just get your old school bulletin that our awesome volunteers handed you as you came in. And we're going to click on this. Because this is the concept we've been rolling with, that life can easily get cluttered with lots of important things. Rarely do we stuff our life with things that we think don't matter. Rarely do we put in there things that we think we don't have to do. Most of the things we think that there's some sort of importance that goes alongside it, but we can, our life can get stuffed with things that are quote-unquote important, but they can crowd out what genuinely matters, what really has, has impact on our lives and the people we care about most and all of those different things, which is why Psalms 127, 1 and 2 is so important. I've mentioned this before. This is part of in the middle of the Psalms of Ascent, which those Psalms are short, easy to memorize, and they were used by the people of Israel as they approach to worship and they're stepping up the steps of the temple, that they would say these because they kind of refocus your brain instead of having all of the stuff. The fact that you're mad because the Israelites couldn't find the two-year-old sandal to go on the way. They had the same problems as you. They had a hard time getting to church just like you did. And uh, get rid of all of that stuff. There was a crowd. There were too many carts in the way or chariots or whatever it was. And somebody cut them off. They're able to just kind of get out... Put this out of the way and refocus. And they would, this is one of them, and it's one of my favorites. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. It's not that unless the Lord builds the house, nothing gets built. These guys, they're building. They're just building the wrong thing. They're building wrong. It's off. It's messed up. It's in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city. That needed to be protected. There were people who wanted to come in and raid it and, and, and steal their stuff. Then the watchmen guarded in vain. It's not that the guardmen aren't there. It's not that they're lazy. It's that they have not invited God to be a part of that process. And they've done it in vain. In vain. You rise early and you stay up late. You go into work extra early. You stay extra late. You work extra hard, put in all the extra hours, and when it's all said and done, you feel like, what was the point? Because we're no further ahead. Toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. In the middle of all of this, building, watching, getting up early, staying up late, God wants us to find a place of rest. And the only way that can happen is when there's a little bit of white space in our in our lives when we push the stuff back and say you know what this is important and we're going to let this stand out we're going to give it room to stand out and this week we're talking about making investments see making room for what really matters means investing our resources into what really matters the bible has more to say believe it or not it's true you can research it yourself more to say about money than it does even about the subject of love then it has the subject of faith, then all of these other things. Why on earth would the Bible talk about this subject so much? Because we deal with it day in and day out. It is reflective of our whole lives. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 but, says, But since you excel in everything. Man, I tell you what, there's, if there's something that the American culture appreciates and wants is we want to excel. 
We want to be the best. We may not want to put in the hours to become the best, but we want to be the best and we appreciate the best. We love watching the Olympics because we're watching the best from all over the world. We love doing this. Nobody televises, hey, amateur bobsledding, although it might be funny to watch. They don't televise that. We want to watch the best. We want to be there. So as, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled for you, see that you excel in this grace of giving as well. All of these other things are things we're supposed to excel in. We're supposed to be good at them. Of course we're supposed to be good at faith. We're believers. Of course we're supposed to be, have, be good at speech. We've got to communicate God's love and, and deal with each other in a kind and tender and compassionate way. Of course we're supposed to be good at being completely earnest, honest, for real, not fake. We ought to be good at that. Sadly, the church is not known for being not fake. We're known for something else. <clears throat> but we ought to, at the same time, excel, be awesome in this place of living wide open, generous lives. And none of us want to be called the Scrooge. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, you know what, when it's all said and done, I hope people say that I was one selfish guy. That I wouldn't give anybody the time of day. I wouldn't help anybody. I wouldn't hand them a dollar if it was going to save their life. Nobody wants to be known as that. So th- this kind of stinginess is not something that we, that we desire. But our lives gr- gravitate away from generosity instead of, for some reason, gravitating towards generosity. And I think some of it, especially in the kingdom, as we hear about these people who are like, like these big givers. I, I actually was covered this exact same subject in youth. We were going through a series, and I actually got to, to double prepare this week and cover Wednesday and today. And um, which is handy. And um, and uh, uh, anyways, we hear about guys like R.G. Letourneau. I shared with them R.G. Letourneau. He was a guy who felt uh, um, wanted to make his life count, but he did not feel like that he needed to go into the ministry full time. He had an incredible brain and was gifted in the area of the sciences and especially engineering. And he's the guy that came up with the first technology that allowed the big earth movers to exist. These big things, these things that the tires are like higher than I can reach. These huge pieces of equipment that normal steering and getting around and all that just doesn't work on. Things are just too big. And he invented this stuff that all of a sudden these things could happen on massive scales. And because of that... He made lots of money, had over 300 patents in his name, and he began to, to, be, to be blessed. And his heart was to be generous. In his, the bulk of his life, he gave away 90% of his income, 90%. He lived on 10% or less. We hear about that, and of course the guy has millions and millions and millions. So you're like, oh, that's, that's how this works. All the kingdom gets pushed forward when these rock star givers are on the scene. And then that kind of takes the pressure off the rest of us. You know, R.G. Letourneau writes a big check, and man, stuff gets happened. And then here's me with my little bet, and he, he covers it, and I don't have to be as concerned about this. But Paul says we should all excel in this grace of giving. It's not just these guys who are passionate and giving, and they do it on this epic scale. 
Some of you, man, that'll just excite you because you're wired for it. Others, it's to, to do it on that scale isn't necessarily the way you're hardwired, but we're all called to be generous. And I had kind of had, had an experience with this because it's one of the things that uh, I don't talk about a whole lot, but I enjoy giving. I enjoy it. I have always done it. I, my, my parents cultivated that in me from when I got my first job at 14 years old. I've just enjoyed it. It's just a passion of mine. But then I'm, in, I'm a minister, so it kind of feels awkward to talk about that since I, I pastor a church and, and people give. So it feels kind of backwards to talk about it, but it's just flat the truth. And something that really stood out to me years and years ago is we had always had this mentality that to be kind of like the R.G. Laternos, that you had, to, you had to get money all the way to here, and then you could be like crazy generous. Oh, man, if I won the lottery, I'd do this. If somebody gave me a big inheritance, I'd do this. And that's fantastic. I hope you dream and scheme that way. But, man, God really showed me something years ago with when I was mowing my grass. It's funny how God does those things. And bought my first house, little starter house over on David Street, and um, Wanted to bring my yard in and have a good, beautiful lawn. And uh, I grew, grew up hating rye grass because the little annual that grows up in the wintertime. Because my dad would make me pull it. And I was like, oh, I hate rye grass. And uh, so, man, rye grass started growing up in my lawn. And I'd noticed that because I wasn't as diligent at mowing as maybe I should have been. And I noticed that, man, when that rye grass would get about this tall, then all of a sudden the little seed head would pop out. And it would have the little seed head would come in. Well, ryegrass is an annual. It's not like Bermuda that's there all the time. It's, it comes out and it reseeds every year. The old plants die and the new ones grow up. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to cheat this ryegrass. I'm going to take it out. It's gonna, it's, I'm going to fight it one time and I'm going to be done because I'm going to mow it like this tall. And I'm just going to mow it and mow it and mow it. And it's never going to get the chance to grow up and produce seed. I saw it was that's where it did it. I'm just going to cut it off. I, it was brilliant. So man, I mowed and I mowed and I mowed, and I was out there and I looked like a complete moron because I am mowing a mowed lawn. It doesn't need to be mowed, and I'm mowing it. And so somebody thinks I'm just trying to get away from my wife or something. Just I'm just going to go mow the grass, dear. And uh, so that was not the case. I was beating it. Sure enough, I kept my yard nice and tight, and it never grew up and then I started noticing there's these little plants these little ryegrass plants this short and they had the tiniest little stalk on the end of them coming out and this full stinking seed head oh, it put out seed anyways I thought that I could cut it off and say well if I won't let it really grow and really mature and become everything it wants to be then it can't put out the seed but you know what? It is hardwired that no matter what the environment does to it, it is still going to reproduce. It's still going to give off for future generations. Folks, that's the way you and I are. You say, man, if I could just grow to here, then I could do it. But I keep staying here. But there's something in us that's wired to go ahead and give off for future generations no matter what. Whether we can go to here or here or here or just be out in the woods and grow as tall as we want to grow unhindered that 
is the way you and I should be. It's not about the rock star givers. We're thankful that there are people who have an assignment to be crazy generous. But we're all called to live generous lives. And see, this giving is a grace thing, and it's motivated by grace and is an expression of grace. Let's honestly, let's kind of think of, think of this as a smile, okay? A smile is motivated by something you enjoy, something internal. You have a little thought. You've been sitting with somebody, and all of a sudden they're sitting there. Nobody says anything, and the person goes, what are you thinking? Sometimes they tell you, and sometimes they don't. And so you're like, you know, and all of a sudden, just this little smile creeps up on their face. Or you meet somebody and they see you, and all of a sudden, they just smile when they see you. Because there's your face, and it registers, and they have a positive association with that. And man, it makes you feel a little warm and fuzzy inside, because you know that smile means what's going on the inside is they're happy to see you. Something's happening on the inside, so that smile is happening on the inside, and it's in the, it's caused by that but it's also an expression of that giving is one of those that it is caused by grace there is no weight of of pressure in the area of giving whatsoever it is an expression of grace god loves me so much that he has poured out and he's blessed me and i see his blessings whether other people would call me blessed or not and i am going to then out of that give, giving is an expression out of that just like a smile and see the truth is is that god is a giver and so it's natural for those of us who are growing in his image for those who are growing to also be generous for us to be generous too it's just natural we're his kids i mean my, my little my little three-month-old everybody looks at her and goes whoop that's a, that's brandon clark's girl she looks like her daddy. And there's just no doubt about it. Man, there are things that my boys will do that they have never in their life witnessed me be that goofy, ever. I don't care what my wife says. I've never been that goofy while they've been alive. It's th- but it's things that they've never seen it. But then all of a sudden they'll do something and my wife just looks at me. Why'd you pass that on to them? I'm like, Sweetheart, I, I don't know. I guess it's... It's just hard. We're hardwired this way, baby. I'm sorry. And it's just the way it is because they've got my DNA. So that expression begins to come out. They didn't have to be taught it. Being generous, we've got Papa God's giving spiritual DNA. It's a natural expression. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave. It was an expression of what was going on in the heart of God. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 8, 32 and 33. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously, or a a good translation of that is generously, give us all things. Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. That's the thing with our, with our team. That it is an act of giving. It's an expression of giving of their, not, it's not just about money. It's about our whole lives. John 10, 18 says, no one takes it from me. This is Jesus talking. Talk about him going to the cross. No one takes it from me, his life. 
but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and guess what? I have authority to take it up again, and he did. This command I have received from my father. He gave his life as a ransom for many. See, the willingness to give our time and our talents and our treasure, it keeps our hearts focused on the things that really matter. A willingness to live a generous life. Now, I'm not just talking about writing checks or dipping in cash or using the kiosk at the front or whatnot. I'm talking about your whole life is available to God. A generous life, giving Him your whole life. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust they don't destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is the direction of your life that's where it's moving it's pointed towards that which you treasure your where your treasure is where it's headed is the direction you're going jonathan will you come help me with something right quick buddy jonathan's got some uh jonathan's got some jesusy looking hair there don't you think so uh i do not have jesusy looking hair and uh so but jonathan he's going to be uh he's going to be our holder of some white space. We got lots of white space this morning. So we are, uh, here we go. Hold it right there. There you go. We want to see your heads. All right. And so and what, we, what we've got is we, our lives. You can back up just a little bit. You got to give me a little bit. Okay. And so what we've got is we've got this stuff here that represents our lives, what we do, what's important to us, okay? And then we begin to go into this, this big vacant area of our lives, and we begin to, begin to place importance that there are things that, that matter. There are things that matter. And so one of the things, one of the, the first things that matter is, you know, is say taking care of family, okay? You're going to have to hold it strong, one have to push, Okay. And so it's like, okay, well, we got to take care of that first, okay? So we got to take care of our bills, and we got to do this kind of stuff, and we gotta, we got to take care of, of the, the mortgage or rent, and we got to take care of make sure the, the kids have shoes, and we've got to take care of the, uh, we like to go and watch a movie every once in a while, and more of that, that's kind of important. We've got to have our, we're Americans, we've got to have our entertainment. And... Um, so, and then there's all of these different things, and these first things begin to show the trajectory, and everything else kind of begins to follow along, and we begin to see that things are pointing, as we use our lives, they are pointing in a certain direction, and it shows the life flow of what we're doing. As we make our decisions with our dollars, they are showing the direction that our life is going. This is what we are pursuing. Spend money on tuition. Have a son in college. Guess what? He's at Bible school. Hopefully that saying my heart reflects that he pursues God. I want that to be what's happening there. I hope that that's what that says. And so we're spending different resources. You've got to make sure you've got a good vehicle. 
You've got all of these different things that are going on, and it is showing. And ultimately, what we want is what we want is all of this to be in the hands of God. Because when it's all said and done, then not only is there this life flow that's being revealed, but what's also being revealed, flip it, is our heart. Our heart is also being revealed. It's letting us know, and we are showing what really, really matters. With everything that we spend, with everything that we do, with everything that we invest in, the gym membership hopefully says, you know what, I want to take care of the temple of God. It could say, I want to look good and turn heads. I don't know what it says. I hope it says, I want to take care and live a long time. I hope that's what it says. But who knows what it says? But it's saying something because we are putting our resources in that direction. And is it pointing where the, the flow of our life? Yes, but more importantly, it is saying what our heart is and we want it in the hands of Jesus is what we want. Thank you. See, Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Nobody can do it. If all of a sudden, if we begin to build another arrow on this other end of the thing and say, okay, this is, we want all of a sudden our life to go this direction, what immediately does that let us know? At some point, things are going to just, they're going to get pulled tight. They're going to go. Things are going to quit moving together. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The actual better translation of that word is a word we don't use a lot, which is why the NIV puts the word money in. But it's actually this word mammon. Nobody says mammon. Ever. And so... But what that means is this thing that everything that money represents. It's this carnal life, this thing that we think we'll find fulfillment in. And I don't have to tell you all the stories. You know them. They've made movies about it. All the people get everything that they ever wanted, all the success and everything. And they find that life is hollow. We know the story and we know it because it's true. It's been lived out over and over and over again. See, even tonight's thing at Gaddy's is, is a celebration of giving of time and talents. It is, that is what that is. See, 1 Timothy 6, we're going to look at verse, <clears throat> go ahead and pick up in verse 17. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. You want to find out if you're rich? Look up rich on world standards. Rich by world standards. You want to find out if you're rich, I dare you to Google that. Rich by world standards. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He's not trying to take things away from us. I think we get all freaked out because we're like, God, you know, 
if, if I really give it over to you, I, I know you and you're going to send it all to the mission field. And I'm going to have nothing. So I'm going to give you what I think I can send to the mission field and what I'm willing to do. And I'm just, just peel off a little bit. But God, if I give it, if I put it all in your hands, man, you're going to send it all over there. And I'm going to have nothing. That's just not true. It is a lie from the enemy. He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. That's all God cares about. He's not after our money. Remember, our money is a reflection of our heart. He wants our hearts. That is what he's after. And when he has our hearts, the other stuff is so easy. It's so much easier to be generous when it's a free flow from the heart. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So they can get a hold of that abundant life that God has called us to live. We cannot live it. We cannot live it by focusing on ourselves. It's amazing that the lead singer for Red Hot Chili Peppers is known for that quote. That was inspired the song, Give It Away, Give It Away Now. Band that honestly you would connect with living a selfish life and debauchery and partying and all that kind of stuff. But he saw one simple act of generosity expressed towards him. And he asked them, why? Why did you just do that? They're like, I have found that if, when if I've got a bunch of stuff and I hoard it to myself, my world gets really small. But if I will let give it away, then my world gets bigger and the world's a better place. And he was forever impacted by that. It is, the, it is the God's truth. That is the way we're wired. Folks, giving is an act of grace where we extend the grace that we have received. God has never, ever, ever asked you to give something you didn't already have. Never. Holy Spirit will never ask you to give something you don't have. Ever. He only says, I've extended this grace into your life. It's already there. And I want you to pass some of it on to somebody else. That's the way it rolls. 2 Corinthians 9, 7-11. through 11. We reference this scripture a ton when it comes time to that little, that part where we prayed earlier, where we talk about our giving. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. I had a wonderful young man on Wednesday raise his hand and say, Now wait a minute, I thought God loved everybody the same. Why does God God love a cheerful giver and what's the deal with that? So God does love everybody the same. Great question. What God does is he loves it when we are acting like him. It makes him smile. He appreciates it. It's not that we earned his love. It's that that's an act he savors. That's something that he enjoys. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, my goodness, that's a lot of alls, you'll be able to abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered seed 
uh, scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. And you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. That's a lot of generosity. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, each one of us should use our gifts he has received to serve others, fully administering God's grace in its various forms. We close it down with Galatians 5. You, my brothers, were called to be free. We're called to be free. This is an act of a free person, not of a person under obligation, not of a person arm-twisting God to, to squeeze some blessings out of him or something. This is a pure act of love. We're called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love and living a life wide open to God on every front, a generous life that keeps it from us turning it and making it about ourselves. I encourage you. I encourage you. There's going to be opportunities this week to be generous. I'm not talking about an offering because we already took care of that. I'm talking about opportunities in your life. There's going to be a, a co-worker who's going to be in a place. There's going to be somebody standing in line behind you at, at the fast food place. There's going to be, you're going to hear about something. You're going to have an opportunity to be generous because it doesn't just, not just talking about church stuff. I'm talking about full life stuff. We ought to be good at this in every area. And I would encourage you to open your life up. Dare to be generous. Dare to step in and meet a need. Dare to, 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 to be there and let God minister to somebody through you. As we seek to truly know God and trust Him, our entire lives will align around those things that matter most. Even our money. All of those things will begin to line up. We've talked through the years a lot about the love languages. And to communicate love, every one of those is an act of giving on some level. Words of encouragement, you've got to open your mouth and give them. Gifts, you've got to give it. Quality time, you've got to carve that out and give it. Touch closeness, reach out and give a hug. It's all an expression of giving. And part of that, there is this reciprocity. Somebody's got to be willing to receive a gift. And we already talked about the greatest gift that's ever been given. That's when God gave Jesus. And this morning, maybe you need to receive it. Got an email this week about an awesome guy. I suggest you look it up. You want to just sit there and cry. And um, it's called Aaron's Last. And uh, if you haven't already seen it, look it up on YouTube. And uh, there's a guy who passed away way too young. He was born in 83, died about a year and a half ago. And his last wish was that his family would go out for pizza and give the waiter or waitress a generous tip, $500. So they do it. And then he, this guy left a small amount of resources for them to be able to do this a few times. He's getting his family together. They're hanging out, spending some bonding time. And then they're just blessing the socks off of somebody. 
And so they call these waitresses over and say, hey, uh, my brother did this and he wanted us to give this to you. And over and over and over again, they sit there and they look at that stack of 20s that's 500 bucks. And they just sit there and cover their mouths and they'll cry or go, I, I can't. I can't take that. Because all of a sudden they're just washed with the fact that it's not something they earned. That somebody died and wanted them to take that gift that came out of their death. Jesus died. And he wanted, he rose again. He's alive today. And he wants all of us to embrace the gift that came from that. And you can have the response, the cover in your mouth, say, I don't deserve it. Or you could say, you know what, I don't deserve it, but I'm going to take it. That honors the giver when you embrace it. Just please bow your heads right quick. We want to create a quiet moment. If that's you here today, and for some reason, whatever reason, maybe you've been trying to clean your life up a little bit and say, hey, I'm going to do things a little better, and then one day I'm going to say yes to Jesus, and I feel like I can can do a little better for him. 